Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to episode 95 of Three Point Podcast. Man, that's hard to believe, coming up on 100. The three of us will dive into the Michigan sports scene with a view from three different generations. Our triple threat includes 20-something Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan. 30-something Matt Burns of ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina, and... I'm over 30-something. Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle here in our mid-Michigan three-point podcast studios. Our partners include the Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Sheridan Auction Service, and Promec Engineering. Our Sportsnet Michigan Radio Network teammates include Sports Radio Detroit and WJSZ. Give us a follow, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all the other big podcast hosting sites. And you can also hit us up with your comments and questions on social media at 3 Pod. We're going to talk the regular stuff, Michigan, Michigan State, and everything else that is important sports-wise. But we also have a special guest tonight, Chris Castellani of at Mason Brew and MazenBrew.com. And also you can follow him on Twitter at his own site, at Castellani2014. He's also the co-host of The Brewcast. We're going to have all kinds of fun. We're going to get it rolling right after these important messages. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, before we get into the real sports talk, um, I finally got sucked in. You know, the, the marketing campaign by Popeye's and their chicken sandwich and the demand. You can't get them, or if you do get them, you, you have to wait in a long line. Well, I think it was like last Wednesday. We're recording this on Sunday night after the Lions game, but last Wednesday I decided I'm going to see what it's all about. So I headed over to the Lansing uh, Popeye's. There was a line. And I uh, I ordered up my chicken sandwich chicken sandwich and uh, gotta tell you I was a bit disappointed it was it was pretty grisly it uh, had a decent amount of uh, white meat but uh, for my dollar and for if I'm gonna get a chicken sandwich I'm a Chick Fil A guy all night long thoughts fellas well how long was this line did you go drive through did you go inside what I, time of the day was it because I, that also plays into the part how long the line might have been well i went drive through i was probably hmm, 10 cars deep and the service was really slow okay it took me quite a while to finally get up and get my sandwich but uh again it was it was okay but what a brilliant marketing campaign i mean it, it was nothing special have you guys have you guys done it yet no. i haven't had the popeyes one but i'm kind of i'm not the best person when it comes to talking about 
chicken sandwiches or chicken fast food because I'm the one that, I mean, Chick-fil-A is good. It's a good chicken sandwich. I know the pickle on there. Everyone loves it. Chick-fil-A sauce. But, like, the, the craziness, how people just go absolutely berserk for Chick-fil-A, and then now this Popeye's chicken sandwich, I'm just sitting here like it's a it's a fast food chicken sandwich, right? Like, yes, it might be good, but I'm, I wouldn't be one to wait in line. Even if, you know, you said you wanted to try it out, the marketing campaign worked, there's no way I would wait in line for it. Were you curious, though? Were you curious at, at seeing all this marketing and all this hoopla on what it was all about? I mean, if you were a chicken sandwich aficionado, let's say, <laughs> would you have waited in some sort of line at least I, to try it out? I'm dying to try this sandwich. There's just not one near me. I'd have to drive an hour and then wait an hour and just hope that they don't run out of chicken sandwiches before I have a chance to try one. But the thing that's kind of funny to me is that this this started on Twitter, and you keep calling it the marketing campaign. And it just cracks me up how it suckered you in. When Are you aware that there is a like Twitter hashtag Twitter saying that's going around that's kind of making fun of people your age on Twitter. Are you aware of this? Are you talking? Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yes, I'm well aware of that. I was I was not going to bring it up because I <laughs> figured I'd be hearing that pretty much every podcast from you. But go ahead, continue. I just it's the joke has been on me. You know, I'm a shorter guy. That's usually all that Twitter is filled with. Is all I don't talk to a guy who's under. 5'8", or, like, short guys, like, don't matter in this world. So I just always like to kind of twist the knife a little bit. Oh, I, I'm okay with it because, is, you know, even though I was very kind, I was kind to you and kind of quit calling you a millennial, even though technically I guess you're not, but people know the term when, when a boomer says, oh, that's just another millennial. It is it is a diss, right? And, and now you guys have your own diss at us old folks. We, we do, and I guess I love it. I just, I'm going to find a way to kind of workshop it into this podcast more and more often. But basically anything you ever say, I'm just going to discount it with okay. That's okay. I'll, I'll be ready for it now, but back up a second though. I do want to know this. I'm, I'm in business. I'm in sales. Did this get started by just some random Twitter person or was this a concerted effort by somebody in Popeye's uh, headquarters? You know, they, they brought on this spicy chicken sandwich. First of all, it's crazy to me. Popeye's has been around for so long yeah. that they never had a chicken sandwich. You know, it was always all their other chicken stuff. So it's just kind of funny there. But, I, I mean, I think they just brought this sandwich out, and people, because they love Popeye's so much, started having it. And then it, it did kind of like whatever. It went viral, you know, if yeah. you want to say it that way. And they kind of like they kept running out. Huh. I don't. I don't think it was like some like marketing ploy or anything like that, as far as I know. Well, you just answered one question. If it, if it is a fact, so Popeyes never had a chicken sandwich till just recently. Not that one. I mean, maybe they had like tested one out, but not not on their like permanent menu. Okay. No, they have. And I think that plays into why it was such a big deal, because it does seem so obvious. Like, why didn't they have a chicken sandwich? And then when it finally comes, and then it's good. It might not be Chick Fil A good, as you said, but right. it's definitely a good sandwich. And I remember the first day that it kind of was popping off on Twitter and you see pictures of workers, you know, with their hand, like their face between their legs, like they're Michael Jordan when he had the flu, like that famous picture. And I thought it was just gonna be like a one day thing. But then it's continued on for like, it seems like about a year now where people just can't get enough of these sandwiches. And and of course you, you fell for it. And I haven't. I just don't see. I don't see myself like Matt said. I don't see myself waiting in that line for a chicken sandwich. Man, I fell for it. All right, I guess I better go to confession. I, 
I'm curious. I'm curious because I hear about it. So why? What am I got to lose spending uh, six bucks on a chicken sandwich just to see what all the hype's about? When did you go? What time was it? And what, it so was it was lunchtime. It was lunchtime. Okay, just so that that Matt that explains it. Lunch, work hours. He had no problem in that long line <laughs> to go work. <laughs> that's classic, That's that's why you did it. Am I not allowed yeah, to take a lunch? To... Is are boomers not allowed to have lunch? <laughs> You probably like went around the office. Hey, anybody want that Popeye sandwich? I'll, I'll go wait in the line. You know, I'll, I'll jump on the grenade. I'll go wait in the line. Ooh. Hey, I and do have a que- I have a question for you though. I mean, are you a chicken? Show. Are you a chicken sandwich guy at all? I mean, do you favor anybody out there at all that you have tried other than Popeyes? I, I love Chick Fil A's chicken. Their sandwiches are good, but it's not necessarily because of the chicken or the sandwich. It's because of their Chick Fil A sauce. Yeah. It's the best sauce on the market. That's what yeah, makes the their chi- sandwiches good. Huh? The, the Chick Fil A sauce, especially on the sandwich, but dipped in their waffle fries, that almost makes to me Chick Fil A worth the trip. Like the sandwich alone, it like it's a solid sandwich. But I mean, especially down here in the South, people like it's a lifestyle to go to Chick Fil A. <laughs> and uh, to me, it's a, it's a chicken sandwich. I don't know. It's not a lifestyle for me, but I will say this: I maybe maybe you both think I'm a little weird, but I eat it dry. I eat it without the sauce. I like to taste the chicken. Oh, it's so good. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> I, and by the way, another Boomer reference I'm probably sure you'll enjoy is I'm in a little bit more ornery mood than normal because I've been starving myself all day because I have to have, uh, I'm up on schedule for my second colonoscopy in my life. You start getting them at uh, 50. So maybe I should have had a Popeye's chicken sandwich yesterday, maybe? Maybe help. Yeah, just, just- eat more of that Popeye's chicken and that'll flush the system right out. <laughs> so how does the, so you have to, you, you can't eat for a day? A whole All day. You just drink like Gatorade pretty much? Or yeah, what? well, 24 hours, you got to take a couple pills, uh, you know, and then tonight, after I'm done with the podcast, then I start my Gatorade and uh, the added power powder that they add to it that makes you, you know, pretty much shit all night long. They want you cleaned out, man. Sounds fun. Uh, what's the what was your what's your experience like with a colonoscopy? Do they knock you out during it? Oh yeah, you yeah. Wait? You remember what killed Michael Jackson? Propofol. That's what I, they that's what they give you. That was that's your most boomer comment of the night, knowing exactly what got Michael Jackson. Well, I, I, I'm I full of them. I'll 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 sprinkle some of those in throughout the podcast and in the future. You know that. But yeah, it's it's pretty good stuff. They it, it's just they give you a low dose, so you're only knocked out. I think for I don't know 20 minutes or maybe a half hour because. You know, you go in and they probe you, and the, the first one I had, and you don't feel anything. The worst part about the colonoscopy, to tell you the truth, you guys, I mean, you'll look forward to it somewhere down the road, but uh, it's the prep. It's the starvation that I'm going through right now, the procedure, and nothing to it. You don't feel anything, and you come out, and they, you know, they give you some juice and give you a cracker and make sure that you're okay from uh, the anesthesia, and you're on your way, and then you're on your way to a feast because you're starving. Yeah, that's what, that's what you messed up. You should have saved the Popeye's sandwich for after the colonoscopy that's oh, i think that's where you went wrong i might have had a better different view of it huh yes you might be right that's You're so no, starving. That it might have been that much more special having to wait in that line again <laughs> well i can't wait to i can't wait to throw out some more boomerisms if you will hitting the, 
hitting the horn in the middle of the director. <laughs> I just had a colonoscopy, for God's sakes. <laughs> All right, enough on that. Uh, let's have some Spartan talk. Before we do, though, uh, just remind people that Advanced Elevator Company, they're some of our friends for sure. They feature top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators, an area business leader and longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. And also on board with us, from day one, the coronaconnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at coronaconnection.com. Well, before we br- break down uh, the Spartan football team collapse, I mean, we got to we gotta send out a shout to our Spartan friends out there and, and the loss of Cassius Winston. He lost his brother in a tragic accident here, you know, just in the last 24 hours and just a terrible situation to have to go through. And, you know, I think we all could agree that Cassius Winston's got to be one of our favorite uh, college basketball players last year and this year, right? I mean, he's one of those guys that even if he plays for the team that you don't like, you respect him or you you know you appreciate his game because he is just that good. It's to the point where you just want him to graduate so he can <laughs> stop torching your team. Got but, that right. Yeah, that, that's a terrible situation, and he's we're recording Sunday night. He's playing in their games tonight. And you got to think that being on that team and the Spartan family, that's probably helping him get through this. Yeah, the reality will certainly set in afterwards, without a doubt. I bash on Michigan State a lot, but I mean this, and you hear this is a kind of a cliche saying, but you wouldn't wish that upon your worst enemy. So, right. just, you know, just thoughts and prayers out to him, like you said, and hopefully, you know, he kind of works through it and is okay. And obviously, like Matt said, the Spartan family, for how much we make fun of them, they really are like a pretty close knit. They're going to help him out through this. So. Absolutely. And uh, you, like you said, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. Well, let's talk about your worst enemy, the Michigan State football team, Jared. You could have told me that Michigan State won this game by 40 or Michigan State lost this game by 40. I would have had no way of knowing until when we saw the final play on Twitter that Illinois won on just a miraculous like last-second touchdown pass. Everyone's eyes, I think, in the entire country were on Alabama-LSU when this game was going on. And it's just funny how there's no one in the stands at the game. You didn't really hear anything about it. And then Michigan State just goes and finds a way to lose. And then I always, it, it, it finds its way back to me. And that's what I love about it. Just, just has there ever been a darker day though for the, this D'Antonio era? That's kind of been the debate. I honestly don't think there has. I probably just not. A you know, way to lose. you were out working. I was watching it. I was going back and forth between Bama and, and the Spartans, but uh, it got to be about four minutes to go. And I got to give credit to Lana, my wife. She said, look, Ted, both these games are pretty exciting. You better record one of them, and let's watch the other one. So I decided I'd record the Alabama LSU finish and watch what? the. What's wrong with oh that? Oh my god! What Matt? What do you think about that? What a terrible idea decision that was. I mean, that's a I boomer just, play, probably. But come on, why? I mean, these are Alabama LSU. Those are probably the two best teams in the country, and obviously that game was insane. The finish, but I mean, you know, you're. You're, you're being loyal to our podcast, too, and our podcast listeners. You wanted to be watching that Spartan game. That's the way I think. Wait, wait, let's back this up for one second, all right, just so, so we're clear. And I know you guys obviously don't understand the way some of us elderly operate, but for <laughs> me, what it, it made absolutely no difference. I put the phone down, didn't have to look at my Twitter. I, I said, well, I'm going to record the LSU Alabama finish the last what five minutes and watch the Spartan game live. As soon as the Spartan game's over, I'm going right back to LSU Alabama. It's no different than being live. So, no. How, how no, do you guys not understand that? No, it's not the fact that you. It's not the fact that you decided to DVR a game. 
It's the fact that you put Alabama, LSU on the back burner for Michigan State versus Illinois. And I just picture if I was in your room, like say you had control, control the remote control, I would have been losing my mind because I know you and the game that was primary for you was Michigan State versus Illinois. Even when it's 28 to 3, you're just sitting there watching every single oh, make sure we don't miss a play of Michigan State when the Alabama LSU games on a TV. Wrong. That, wrong millennial. Wrong millennial. You're wrong. You can check with my wife caller when we get done here. We had it on LSU Alabama. That was the prime viewing. So there you go. Well, then why did you switch to Michigan State, Illinois? Because Illinois was going to pull a huge upset and oh, okay. come back from 28 to 3. Huge upset, huh? Uh, aren't we a Michigan, Michigan State podcast, basically, like Matt said? What the hell? It was coming down to D'Antonio's been on the hot seat all season long. Lovey Smith, my lookalike with the white beard, <laughs> he is mounting an incredible comeback with former Michigan quarterback Brandon Peters. you got to be kidding me. It was 31-10 to 10 entering the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden it's coming down the stretch, and it looks like Michigan State's going to lose. And get this. this is a, I'm going to admit this, and I usually don't. I usually pull for Michigan State, other than when they play Michigan. You guys have heard me say that before, right? Yeah. Yes. I was pulling for Illinois. I was pulling for Illinois at the tail end there. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I wasn't I wasn't tuning into my little phone, checking Twitter. I was watching it live. <laughs> the thing, yeah, that's the what I was going to say. So I was watching both games. I was at work for like the first half, most of those games. So I was able to watch both, and I was keeping up. But by the time I left, I was watching LSU-Bama and keeping up on Sparty on my phone. And, you know, the, the joke you're making about watching on, on Twitter, I was able to basically see everything on Twitter. You know, every time there was an update, a score, a turnover, you know, whatever, people were posting the plays. I was seeing the highlights. So don't you miss something, though? Don't you? The drama of the announcers and everything, the fans, I mean, don't you miss something a little bit on Twitter when you watch it that way? Yes. The only thing that, I, that, this, that makes sense to me with watching Michigan State and Illinois just two bottom to your Big Ten teams going at it when they both are just terrible. Five hundred teams is that it's like a tri- it's a car wreck that you can't take your eyes off. That's right. That's the only way that you can describe it. You're right. You try and describe the drama and Lovey Smith coming back from a comeback, Michigan State battle. That's no. It's a train wreck you can't take your eyes off of. Well, I'll I'll give you that, but it still was intriguing television. It was it, it, you couldn't stop. I couldn't stop watching it. It was awesome. <laughs> And, and especially with the train wreck Michigan State's had going on this season in the last four or five weeks. It was. And there was actual, like, there was actual scoring, turnovers. You know, there was actual action. It's not like it was a, a 9-6 slugfest with just field goals. So, you know, and it's Big Ten football, so you're into it. Obviously, in the state of Michigan, it's a big story. So I can understand that. It's just funny that... You know, you flipped away from LSU Bama. <laughs> wow. I, I absolutely cannot relate to whatever the difference is. It took it was ten minutes well, late. It thing. was ten minutes later and I'm watching it like it's live. I do not understand you young live. guys. You I do not understand live. it. There's something in your brain that makes it not as just awesome. There's not a better word to describe it than just awesome. Knowing that you're watching this live with everyone on everyone's watching at the same time you are reacting in real time. I'm my own I man. Just, I, just I don't care about everybody else. I'm watching the game for my own enjoyment. Who gives a shit? Just cracks me up. You, just, just the debate that went on for you switching to the Michigan State. 
Oh my, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, two Heisman finalists going back and forth. Coach O, Nick Saban. I'm going to flip it to Lovey Smith in Michigan State. I'm going to watch that one. That's a great one. That's you, a barn burner. You know what's fu- you know what's funny? People watching. What's funny is I'm sure most our listeners are probably going to agree with you, but I am not going to change my own mind. I'm going to tell you that. I mean, it makes absolutely no difference for me to watch a live event on DVR ten minutes later. It just isn't. Just makes no difference to me whatsoever in my life, other than it still feels like it's live. I mean, there there is a side because LSU Bama was still going after Michigan State, so you 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 caught up, right? You know, by fast forwarding through the commercials and whatever whatever else, so you were able to you know keep up on Michigan State and then also catch up on LSU Bama. I think there is a side like Jared, you were talking about Ted wanting to watch it live, like like real time reaction with everyone else watching Michigan State. I think there's a side to like the whole DVR thing that. Maybe it's our generation, maybe mine. It is. You know, kind of getting into it, and then Jared's now. Like, if I wouldn't want to know that everyone else already knows the outcome, you know, everyone else has already tweeted about it, if I'm, like, a half hour behind. Because if I'm going to, like, say say I would have DVR'd Michigan State, didn't know the outcome, and I did what you did, Ted, put my phone down so I didn't see the outcome, and then when I see Michigan State loses, say I'm 45 minutes late or something like that, and then I hop on Twitter and start talking about it, I feel like I'm behind the time and I've already, like, the moment has passed. Well, there was a little bit more logic, too. Let me throw this out at you. You might say I'm full of it, but there was, like, six and a half minutes to go, like you said. There was six and a half minutes to go in the LSU game. There was four minutes to go in the Michigan State game. Now, if I was watching LSU and recorded Michigan State, there's a very good possibility there could be a flash on the screen to say the final score. Am I okay, right? That makes more sense. Am I right? I, but the, what was the story where you didn't you? Wasn't the Michigan Michigan State playing at a bar or something, and you didn't want to know the score because you wanted to go home and watch? What was that story? Well, there, that <laughs> just say okay, boomer first. Just say <laughs> okay. it. Okay, I'm not, no, I'm not gonna force. I'm not a monkey. Oh, come I on, monkey! Come I, on, monkey! No. no. What was that story though? Okay, what, what in my that? in my past, <laughs> I don't do it much anymore, but I would. <laughs> absolutely go out of my way like if we, we used to go to mass on saturday night okay i i finally made the call that we're going to go sunday mornings because i was missing too many games or i was having to dvr michigan or michigan state and then we'd go out to eat dinner and then i i wanted to enjoy the game right so i would dvr it and i'd try to tell people hey don't tell me the score it was just a courtesy thing right that's what that was about and that happened multiple times no, i'm not gonna big- lie wasn't it like a, you were at a sports bar and you would get mad when people start talking about it around you? No, like that that got overblown. That got overblown. Yeah, t- I thought I thought you told a story that you went to a Buffalo Wild Wings and you told the manager to turn every TV off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are funny. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess so. It sounds like we all at least watched the game in some capacity, but I mean, that has to be. I watched it live, by the way. I just want to remind everybody. <laughs> You did watch it live. I was, I was watching it quote unquote live through a sports app and Twitter. So I wasn't watching the game, I guess as live as you were on TV. But I mean, we we kind of said it earlier. One of you guys said it. That has to be the most epic collapse, maybe the worst loss of the Mark D'Antonio era, right? Even though it's kind of looking like they're not going to finish the season with a great record, but to be up thirty-one ten entering the fourth quarter and collapse like that. That, that's just a bad loss. I don't know how you can pick any other game. I mean, I didn't do any research, but that's, to me, that's got to be the biggest in his career. I, I see all these stats, and it's it kind of does suck because even though 
We're not Michigan State fans. Anyone who Michigan State football, uh, anyone who listened to us know that. But the, the last few years of his tenure, is it? What do you guys think? He he is the best Michigan State football coach they've ever had. But are these last few years, especially the last two years, are they tarnishing his legacy at all? I think like, it's hard not to kind of have it mess with your brain a little. Bit. I don't know how it would. How is it? It's going to be the last thing you remember. Yeah, sure. If you look back at the record books in 40 years, you're going to see the Rose Bowl title and the Big Ten titles. But for the people who are living through it right now, I don't know how that can't be a part of it is these losses. And what made this loss almost, to be frank, the worst loss I feel like Michigan State's had under D'Antonio is that in the past, they've always kind of beaten up on the, the lower level Big Ten teams, you know, the Maryland's. The Illinois, the Rutgers, which kind of always made you think, oh, okay, they're in the same sort of level as, even in the down years, they're the same level as the Michigans, the Ohio States, those teams. But when you're losing to Illinois, and just the way that they did, 28-3, to Illinois just rolls in the second half, just kind of just, man, man, maybe they are in the bottom tier of the big time, which is sad, because as a Michigan fan, I want this rivalry to be what it was like in 2015 where both teams are coming in just red hot, and it's it's just, it's everyone across the nation is watching, not just people in Michigan. Yeah, it's just I, I think if D'Antonio decides to step down after this season, yeah, you look at his last two years especially, not what he was hoping to have, but I, I think his legacy is sealed if he, if he does step out after this year. Now let's say he comes back and he has another year like this year. Uh, I think the only way he comes back and and decides to come back is they got to shake up the coaching staff without a doubt. I mean that's that's a no brainer. But I, I'm just not sure he has it in him anymore. I think it's just it's you've heard me say it before here many times. I mean I just think it's it's taken a toll and to be at a program like Michigan State where he really did turn the program around. I mean we got to give him big high praise for that. He did. And he's he's going to go down as the greatest coach in history. But when you asked about tarnishing his legacy or his career, I mean, people still talk about Duffy Doherty. People still talk about George Perlis. They all left kind of the same way. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's one of those things where just hearing you talk about, like, if he stays, he's going to have to re revamp his coaching staff or however you want to word it. And, you know, it just makes me think, like, like you said, does, does he have the, I don't know if you want to say energy in him to do that because – I mean, we're kind of seeing it, in, seeing it at Michigan right now where they bring in a brand-new offensive coordinator, even with all the experience, a senior quarterback and all the other experience on the offense, there's a learning curve. I mean, you've got to work the kinks out. You've got to figure out the offense. And Michigan State's losing. I mean, they're losing their quarterback. They're losing a lot of other talent on offense. Right. And their recruiting class is – I mean, it's not a shot. Their recruiting class is not good next year. So they're not necessarily bringing in talent. They're losing some of the talent they have. Are they really about to completely reset the whole offensive staff? And, like, does D'Antonio want to deal with that and everything? So, man, I, they're, right, there's a side to me that hope he stays because he is a solid. It seems like he would, like, keep them afloat type of thing. I, you have to wonder if he even wants to deal with a, a rebuild, if you want to call that, like completely shaking up his whole staff. Well, the thing is, I mean, hey, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become become a villain. I mean, the only coach, and that whole time I've just been thinking, what coaches really went out, you know, on top? And the only one I can think of is kind of Urban Meyer. Yeah. Everyone else kind of, they have a sour end, whether it's because they go to a different job or the last few years, like we've seen with Antonio, they just aren't that good. Because if, if they were constantly winning, then why would they ever stop? I mean, it's fun when you win. Right. Why would you ever stop coaching? Well, the big question now, boys... It's Michigan State, Michigan week at the big house. Predictions a lot of times, 
you know, are a little boring, but we got to have a prediction for this game. What are you guys thinking? I mean, I'm sure we'll talk to our guest, Chris Castellani, about it in uh, in a little while. But, I mean, I, I honestly think, and we've been saying it for the last few weeks, that Michigan's probably the better team this year. They have the, they have the better talent as far as athletes and all that kind of stuff. But you can never count Michigan State out of this game. And maybe it'll be the type of thing where – Coming off a bye, I don't know if Michigan's going to be a little rusty. Being at home definitely helps Michigan. But they better not let Michigan State hang around. If they let Michigan State jump out to a 10, 14-point lead, the Boo Birds start coming out at the big house, Shea Patterson starts getting a little shaky, that, that might be where it gets dangerous. Michigan needs to come out and just smack them in the face and go up 17 or something and just you know put them out of their misery early. But if you're talking prediction, I do think Michigan's going to win maybe by 10, 14 points. Mark D'Antonio is a zombie to me. You know, you shoot him once in the head, you think he's dead, <laughs> then, he, then two minutes later he's coming behind you and biting you in the neck and turning you into a zombie. So the thing is, even if until we beat Michigan State, I'm going to think that there's going to be some way where they can come back in the game. Even if we're up by two scores, like Matt is predicting, I just it's how it's how I've been trained my whole life. You know, is D'Antonio's a good coach, and Michigan State beats Michigan. That's just how it goes. And and the same thing goes with this, this Michigan State program. Until D'Antonio hangs up the whistle, I'm going to think that this is the year that he turns it around. It's just it's just how I've always thought. But as far as how the game, if you took the names away from these teams. You would think Michigan should win this game by three scores, uh, just by how they've been playing lately. But the fact that it's Michigan, Michigan State, and weird things do always seem to kind of happen in this game, I don't see a world where Michigan wins this game by more than a touchdown, which is why I I think it might be an ugly one, uh, 21-14, 28-21, just kind of an ugly game where Michigan just is ahead the whole time. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a boring game. I will also add that as well, like we saw last year. But I just don't see a world where Michigan blows out Michigan State. I don't care what the spread says. You guys might be surprised at my take on this, but uh, the only way I see Michigan State even possibly having a chance, if it's back to that scenario we talked about where D'Antonio tells the team that he's he's going to retire after this year because I I think Michigan's going to win 28-3, to something like that. They're going to blow them out. That's just not going to happen. No, Sorry. I think it is. It's I think it is. not going to happen. But when is Michigan State – faltered as bad as they have this year you know with all the turmoil and everything going on even the bocce thing i mean you don't think so huh well the thing is it's like first off illinois really isn't that bad if you kind of compare schedules on teams that michigan and michigan state have played i mean michigan probably should have lost to illinois if we remember i mean it wasn't like we blew their doors well off. that was in champagne too it wasn't in east lansing it's true i'll uh, yeah that's but that's the thing i just don't think you saying they're gonna win 28 to 3 well, you think it's that's impossible? That I mean, that's a prediction. You think that's impossible? They could win 35 to nothing. D'Antonio just has too much pride, I think. And that's the way I feel like. He's going to find a way. Pull out. He always has a couple tricks I guess we'll, that he saves we'll just for the Michigan game. And you're going to see him. Yep. I don't know if it's like Wildcat offense or something, but he's going to have some tricks that he pulls out. That's a, I, I could see a 28-3 game if it's like a slow, steady 28-3. Like it's you yeah. know, 7-3, to then by the second quarter it's 14-3. to Third, you know what I mean? Like yeah. by the end, like it's a close game the whole game, but then by the end it's twenty-eight-three, and really Michigan dominated the whole time. But you know, I wouldn't. God, that that's what's so annoying about D'Antonio is like what Jared's saying. I mean, it's not one of those things where you can just count him out because I would think he's going to pull out every trick play if he wants to bring in some special packages on offense, fake punts, you know, whatever. I, I think what it might just come down to. I don't know if they can 
execute like that because as good as Lewerke played in that first half against Illinois, he was that bad or worse in the second half. And, I mean, we, we've bagged on Dr. Blitz, Don Brown a little bit, but he has that defense playing really well. And if Michigan's defense can attack Lewerke and really pressure him and stuff, I mean, they they might make a long day for Michigan State's offense. But. You know, I can see what you're saying. I guess the, the bottom line is how, I, how I'm looking at it is coaching can only do so much. I mean, if you look at both those rosters, isn't Michigan just head and shoulders a better team talent-wise? Yeah, and that's the, just the athletes eventually might, might end up winning that game for Michigan. Yeah, that's the thing Like where I feel like if you took the names off these jerseys and it was just Team A versus Team B and you saw the resumes and the players, you would say that Michigan should be a three touchdown favorite, but it's just it's this rivalry. It's it's like the it's like a full moon's out. Like, <laughs> Antonio's a different guy. He's a different guy. He's a werewolf. The funny thing that that cracks me up, Mister Millennial, is uh, you just are going to be so nervous going into that game, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to be on the sideline for that game, and I'm not going to lie. I know no you're supposed to be a good journalist and not biased. If Michigan scores a touchdown, I'm, I'm fist pumping. And if Michigan State's, if some way some, or another Michigan State comes out and just blitzes Michigan, that will be hell on earth. I can't imagine a worse scenario than me being in that stadium if that happens. Wow, that's pretty That's pretty great though that you got that gig, huh? I'm excited. I, is it weird that I'm more excited for this game than Michigan-Ohio State? Are you doing that one too? Yeah. I'm, I'm way, I am head and shoulders just ecstatic for Michigan-Michigan State. Wow. It's just... Well, I the, love this rivalry. The, the excitement for this game, obviously, you've talked about before, you're you're more a Michigan State hater right. than you are like an Ohio State hater, you know, the whole rivalry thing. If Michigan ends up winning their next couple games until that Ohio State game, I bet your excitement will go up a little bit for that Ohio State <laughs> game. But say yeah, yeah, if Michigan State ends up beating Michigan and say they lose to Indiana next week, then yeah, Ohio State, that, that the excitement might go down for that game. I don't see a world where we, we were – isn't it funny looking back last year – we had such a run-up to that Michigan-Ohio State game where Michigan was just dominating team after team and winning and winning and winning, right. and then they just laid an egg. I, it's just it's sad. It's sad to remember. No, that was the year. It, it was, was the year. It was terrible, that's for that sure. Was, that was one of the most like disgusting games to watch as a Michigan fan just because of what you said, how well they were playing, that the whole Chase Winovich revenge tour they were on. They were dominating teams, and it, it truly felt like that was the year Harbaugh was going to break through. I thought so too, but boy, that sure didn't work out, did it? It did not work. I was going to ask you guys something real quick, maybe before we move on or, or bring yeah. Chris on. So do you think there's any correlation? I, I got into a pretty big back and forth with some people on Twitter about uh, D'Antonio and kind of the run that he's been on the last few years. Do you think there's any correlation that his, I guess, the beginning of his downfall kind of began when Harbaugh came in? Not necessarily, Obviously he's beaten Harbaugh a couple times, but you know, recruiting has kind of changed. Harbaugh has been – you know, as far as records go, he has a better record than D'Antonio since he's been at Michigan. Do you think there's any correlation there? Like, he Harbaugh kind of flipped the script on the rivalry? I think I don't know so. I as much that Harbaugh came in. It's just the fact that Brady Oak was out. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Anytime you're going, you're recruiting against Brady Oak and playing Brady Oak every year. And, and the fact of the matter is, it's a big game. The fact that Michigan State was winning that every year, and now they're even splitting those games. I mean, that's a big boost to the Michigan State program when you beat Michigan every year. It makes your season every single year. So I do think that there is some – that's a correlation that I can't see. So I, I know be all, all growing up in Corona, and I think we probably talked about this last year during the Michigan-Michigan State Week. When I grew up, it was White's Bakery in Owasso. I think it's <laughs> changed, right, Ted? It has. It's not White's Bakery anymore. Right, but do they still do the Michigan-Michigan State cookie contest, right? 
Uh, I think the local bakery Lance's. They ought to hop on board here and advertise, but I believe so. <laughs> yeah, that's a big time free ad right so there. This might be, I bet, Ted, you remember that. that as sure a, I do. As a kid, that was a huge deal. Like, I remember my dad going and buying a bunch of Michigan cookies to, like, tip the scale towards Michigan at White's Bakery. Uh, Jared, do you, was that, I guess, if it was Lance's, do you remember anything like that? No, I don't think they're really, I mean, I remember, like, at school, they would be a vote every year, like, who do you think is going to win, Michigan or Michigan State? And then that Friday, they would announce it uh, at the end of the school day. Uh, if, you, if you pick Michigan and they end up being, a, like, if I'm a Michigan fan, they say, hey, Michigan's going to win, you would cheer. And we all know how those, most of those games kind of turned out. Michigan State ended up winning. But that's basically what it was like for me. No, there's not really the cookie thing. Yeah, think but, about the think about the advertising angle. You know, White's Bakery right here in downtown Owasso. I mean, they said, "Hmm, let's have a contest every year. We'll have green and white cookies or maize and blue cookies." And then they had in the front window they had a tally board. Yeah. So I remember, I remember going up that tally board and just loving it if Michigan was winning. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Pound home those cookies, boys. <laughs> well, I remember like, I had some friends who were Michigan State fans, and as a kid, I would like want to eat those cookies and be like, I'm going to eat these Michigan State cookies. I'm going <laughs> to eat them like the football team's going <laughs> like, to Like, as a kid, that's the way you think of things. Can I ask you something? Can, oh, can we go. get off the topic of food right at the moment since I'm on oh, my yeah. uh, 24-hour fast and now my stomach's gurgling? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I know there's a big candy bowl right outside that door. Grab a few. Uh, a, since you took them all last time you were here, I'll, they they restocked it with suckers. I don't want a oh, sucker. Yeah, chocolate. No, doll, you are a liar. And they they might end up hearing this. Matt, you should have saw this tro- treacherous tro that he is taking out with them. He brought basically his own Ziploc bag. Oh, listen to you. Yeah, they you might know. be listening to it. All right, you liar. <laughs> he brought a Ziploc bag, filled it up with these chocolate candies that were in the, the take one leave one bowl uh, and he said i'm gonna eat these throughout the week no i had he some stickers i had some stickers laid out on the table that he was going right to to take and i said hey man those are mine i set them out <laughs> that not that you were gonna eat them that's stealing in my book you were gonna take them and eat them throughout the week oh listen to him all right let's uh let's just say one more time go blue go blue Oh yeah, go blue. And enjoy your enjoy it down there, Jared. Uh, you know, maybe you'll ask a question. I knew that was coming. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who's pro. I don't know. That's that's like a spin the bottle. I don't know who's post game be at D'Antonio's or Harbaugh's. Uh huh. But it's going to be interesting either way. Well, ask a question either one. I was going to say if you you've been talking about one of these times you're going to ask a question, this is your chance right here. Right. The pressure's on, man. I want to I want to hear D'Antonio call you a dumbass. <laughs> Wouldn't that, imagine you guys listening to the like post game presser and just some stupid ass questions asked like well, did he was that Jared he's asked that that would be and awesome that would like that. be awesome uh, say I'm Jared we'll Patel of Three Point Podcast <laughs> no no, hey, no I'm hey, I'm Ted Patel all right guys I mean we we had a little Michigan State talk we'll get a little bit more into it with our special guest Chris Castellani. That'll be coming right up next. So, yeah, before we get to our interview with Chris, um, you know, we've, we talked about Michigan-Michigan State. It's hate week, rivalry week, everything we've talked about with Michigan-Michigan State. So we're going to do something cool uh, with Three Point Pod. We're going to do a giveaway. We'll do a post on our Facebook page at Three Point Pod, so head over there. And we're going to do another giveaway on our Twitter page at Three Point Pod, also on Twitter, where we're just going to ask everyone to predict who you think is going to win, uh, probably the the final score total, 
and then maybe a couple tiebreakers of maybe who has the most rushing yards or who has the most passing yards. And, yeah, we'll see who, whoever wins. You can get $40 at Rivals if you comment on our Facebook giveaway. And on Twitter, it's going to be a $50 gift card to Fanatics. So if you listen to the pod, head over to Facebook at 3 Point Pod, head over to Twitter at 3 Point Pod, and be on the lookout for the giveaway. And, you know, make some predictions and win some gift cards. So we're always looking for, you know, more social media followers. So if you, you got your chance to win, right? And while you're there, retweet, uh, like, follow, whatever you guys, you youngsters, say they need to do. That's one good thing about Twitter. It just it can bring a lot of people together and not only give a score prediction, but hey, if you see a Michigan State fan or a Michigan fan, let them know what you think about their program because that, that's why that's what makes this week so good is just the back and forth trash talking. I love it. Yeah, it, you don't have to be a Michigan or Michigan State fan to enter this contest either. Like you said, if you're a Penn State fan or if you're Ohio State fan. Talk trash about Michigan, Michigan State, and make a prediction about the game. Maybe win some gift cards. Now lay it out one more time, Matt. Twitter is what, and Facebook is what? Yep, so our Twitter page is at 3 Pod, and our Facebook page is also at 3 Pod. If you look up 3 Point Podcast on both of those, you'll find it. Um, and then, yeah, in a couple days, we'll do a post on both sites with all the, I guess, the instructions. But it's just making a prediction, following those pages, and then once the game plays out, we'll, we'll find who won and – and need some gift cards. So, yeah, it should be fun. All right, we now welcome on Chris Castellani. Uh, he's on Twitter, at Castellani2014. He's he's known for his show, The Brewcast, on amazingbrew.com. But my favorite part about him, and I feel like a lot of kids my age, his favorite part about him are the videos that he does about Michigan sports, the Detroit Tigers, Lions, all of them. And it's on Twitter. Uh, but we're, he's joining us on the show now. So, Chris Castellani, how's it going, my man? It's going great, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on on this, uh, what is what is it, Sunday night. Uh, looking forward to always talking sports, and I appreciate the introduction as well. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so, we'll start right here. Something I've always wondered about with your videos, you've done a lot of them, and in most of them, you're, you know, you're in pain. So, I've always wondered, what's the game, that, what's the game that's given you the most heartbreak? Uh, in your life, is there one that sticks out to you? Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. There's one that sticks out, and I think it's only uh, it's very topical considering the week. 2015 trouble at the snap, uh, Michigan State, uh, Michigan. You know, usually it, it might not seem like it, but typically after a bad loss, whether it be Tigers, whether it be Michigan, or any of the teams I root for, it's very rare that I go to bed angry. Like <laughs> typically, I don't let a game last more than maybe maybe a few hours, usually in the case of baseball because there's so many games, a couple minutes. If it's a playoff game, it's different. That was one where it poisoned my ability to watch football the next day. I, did, I didn't watch the NFL on that Sunday. It took me about a year and a half, almost two years, until I even watched the, the replay of that game. That, that's one that stands out. I would say a close second would be Game 2 of the ALCS back in 2013, Big Poppy's Grand Slam off of uh, Joaquin Benoit. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason that that is the number one is that was only game two, and there was still a series ahead that they still should have won. But that one, the, the trouble with the snap game will always stand out as, as the one that really just kind of broke me. I can, I can be honest with you, like hearing Jared tee you up on that question, off the top of my head, if I, have to, if I had to answer a similar question, I think those two would be it too. The first one, honestly, that comes to my head is that big poppy home run at Fenway Park because we've talked about the Tigers on this podcast a lot, and obviously they're going through a ridiculous rebuild right now. In my opinion, that 2013 team was the team that should have won the World Series. It was. They didn't make it to the World yeah. Series. It was. But 
And if they, if they win it all, uh, they would. I think they would probably go down the. They would be looked at in a similar fashion, the way that this year's Nationals are looked at, which is all the way down to having two of the four uh, starters on that on that team. You had, uh, which would be one of the great rotations to ever be put together, uh, and uh, coupled with uh, a ridiculously good lineup. And uh, as much as they tried to give it a go in 2014 with what turned out to be, you know, four four Cy Young winners on it, it always felt like that 2013 season was the year when things finally come together, uh, would come together, and. Uh, and that's that's the one that still stings the most, even more so than either of the World Series they lost. You know, you you talked about the Michigan State uh, miracle against Michigan, and you know this is a three generation show. I go back a little deeper, but that would probably be number one. But a close number two would be the Desmond Howard non pass interference in the end zone. That was a killer. Yeah, obviously that was a bit before my time, but I do I do my I do my research. I know my history, and uh, <laughs> especially because I want, wasn't Michigan number one coming into that game. I think so. Yeah, so that was uh, I mean ultimately didn't derail the season, but prevented them from getting a national championship at least at that time. And uh, yeah, he got tripped, so I, I completely understand that. Do, do you remember the first time you kind of went viral? Was there a specific video that kind of blew up your Twitter feed? And like, what was that like? You know, there was one. Uh, it's a really good question, and I, I have a good story for it. There was there were a few that kind of got in the hundreds of likes, which at the time when I had like 800 followers, I was like, "Wow, that's really shocking yeah. and really cool and fortunate." But I didn't expect it would go beyond that. There was one two years ago uh, against Cleveland uh, when the Tigers played. The next day, my Twitter for about you know a solid 24 36 hours was like a slot machine. I mean, you click refresh, it, it was. 20 like or 10 20 notifications well I, I just i went to the movies that day and sat in the back i, I think there was like two other people in there and uh, i usually don't like to do this but the main reason i went was just because i had to keep refreshing my phone just looking at the notifications from people and you know you know you hit it viral when you start to get bots responding to you and so it was like it, it was one of those surreal moments where uh yeah it just felt very strange it was really cool and it's to this day one of the coolest things that's happened was experiencing that because i always tell people this was when i started all of this it wasn't the i was just a guy and i still am really this guy who really likes to talk about sports and was fortunate enough to have an outlet to do it and that was a kind of a watershed moment where i realized that there's actually like a fair amount of people who would be interested in listening to what i have to say and that was uh that's definitely a, mo- uh, a moment and a time that stands out well it's definitely cool because i mean that ted kind of talked about it we're three generations of guys that are basically the same thing. We're sports fans, movie fans, you know, that kind of stuff that just like to talk about it. So that's essentially what, what we like to do on this podcast. And, you know, we've had a couple moments with our, not, not necessarily your level, but on our Twitter site and some other stuff where some things that we've tweeted out have kind of blown up like that. And it's kind of hard to keep up with stuff. So I, that's what I'm always curious about with people who have a big following is, how do you really keep up with that stuff? And, like, how do you choose? You, you can't reply to everyone. I mean, that, that just is what it comes down to. You can't reply to everyone. How do you, like, handle that when you do have some of those things that do go viral? You just kind of refresh and laugh and move on? Oh, well, I mean, that's a really good question. You know, I, I try to read, and I think I, for the most part I do read all of it. Um, you know, the good stuff, the, the bad stuff, and the ugly stuff, because I think uh, it's just cool to see people responding. And I try to get, you know, like as many responses as I can. And I try to respond to as many things as I can, but that's, that's difficult. And there, there have been days, you know, if there's a day where I'm working, where I'll go a few hours without being able to see anything. And it's, it's weird. To, it's hard to find that balance 
sometimes, but you know, I feel like I, I, I do the best I can, and I've you know, but after after I post a video, usually not always, there's there's usually kind of a, a, a grace period where I get the opportunity to just kind of refresh Twitter as much as I can, and uh, it's it's led to you know a lot of, of of really funny and really interesting responses. I mean, I've laughed pretty hard at, at the things people have responded to, both good and bad, and it's uh, it's really been a blessing. So it's, it's a lot of fun. You mentioned kind of the bad. Like, do when, do people recognize you out in public? Like, how often does that happen? Like, and if, if they run into you, do they kind of expect you to, if you're watching a sports game at a bar or something, to be kind of, you know, screaming and kind of doing like a lot of what yeah. you do in your videos? Is that ever? Uh, no, that, I mean, you're, that's that's funny you bring that up. And and I guess to answer your question, I I never thought I would be. Uh, I guess it was my last year when I was at Central. I think it was one of my roommates who was like, people are going to start recognizing you. And I said, that's just a ridiculous notion. I'm, I'm some guy who yells about sports. Even if people did recognize me, I don't think they would want to say anything. And, uh, and it, yeah, it's turned into something, especially in uh, East Lansing, especially where you know, I've grown up in Lansing. It's been, uh, it's been really remarkable kind of meeting some of the people. It's not, you know, I can go out. It's not, you know, it's not like I'm some yeah. famous guy in Norway ever claim to be. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been cool to see people who just, who will approach you and say, "Hey, are you the guy who makes the videos on Twitter?" And uh, it's it's a lot of fun to respond to those people, and it, it's fun because it gives me an opportunity to show more of the the rational, true person that I am. Because nobody in the world <laughs> could sustain the level of rage that I've showed in two twenty second videos before. You know, there's you have to have that balance, and uh, it, it's been I love the opportunity to sit uh, at, or you know hang around with people and just just talk sports in a, in a rational manner and and i hope they come away from it being like wow this guy like he makes these videos on twitter and he can be a bit nuts but he's actually fairly laid back because just having anyone know who you are for for this is, is really cool and there was there was even a brief time where i struggled with am i you know am i going to be the rant guy and it, you come to you come to terms with like man there's so many worse things to be known for and if that's what you know what people recognize me for so be it that's great you know as long as uh as long as it's entertaining people, because that's really what sports and talking about sports should be, then I'm happy with it. And so it's been it's been awesome. I have a general question about business. You know, everybody knows about uh, what the Kardashians are doing on social media, making you know millions of dollars. I mean, have you been able to monop- you know make some money on this at all? Uh, it's something I'm working on right as of now. No, um, with the exception of the you know the occasional thing I tried streaming on Twitch and you know made a few bucks there. But you know, monetizing has been something that I've, I've I've looked into and I'm going to continue to look into. I have like no experience with business and so I'm I'm trying with it. You don't want to jump ahead too far uh with that because you know it I never want to it's kind of almost a way I think sometimes people inflate their ego by saying oh I'm making x amount of dollars off this but it, it is something that with the amount of content I put out I would it's absolutely what I would love to do and it's something I'm I'm trying to do. But uh, we're we're in the early stages of that. I would absolutely love to uh, have this be something that I, uh, I I'm able to do full time. Yeah, you know, I've been in business for a long time, but Matt and Jared can vouch for this. I'm I'm a boomer. I don't know about this Twitter world. A little bit I play into it, but it just seems like if you continue to do viral stuff and continue to grow your followers, then that's going to open up advertisers or people that want to be on board. Isn't that how it works? I mean, yeah, I think so. Uh, like I said, this is all this is really new to me. And like I said at the beginning, this was there was never any intent originally for this to be a full time thing. I was just some guy who wanted to make videos, and it's it's turned into more. And I'm I'm so happy it's turned into more. Uh, but you know, the, ultimately, the one thing that even in my limited experience, the one thing I know 
is that the worst thing you can do is to cease putting out content. And I think, you know, me putting out videos, whether it be for Michigan or the Tigers or even the occasional Michigan State or the Lions, like the more stuff I put out, uh, the more eyeballs are going to want to, you know, are going to hopefully, uh, uh, you know, come to my page. And that's, that's the end goal, at least right now. But besides the fact, you know, just trying to entertain people. You know, I think part of that is nowadays that, you know, anyone can have a Twitter account, anyone can have a podcast, you know, whatever. Right. The market is kind of flooded with so much content mm. to the point where I've heard people even say, like, there's so many podcasts, there's so many Twitter followers, Instagram pages. How do I know what's good? So it's like if you're going to try and do this stuff, you have to do something that's going to make you stand out, be unique, be different. And I think it's cool because I think what you're doing is unique and different. So, I mean, to me, I feel like, you know, what you're doing, if you keep at it, you know, I, I think it's going to keep growing. I think it's cool you came on this podcast. And we did bring you on to talk a little football. We're not at all just talking <laughs> about business. Right, and, no, it's all, it's all good, yeah. And social media and everything. So I, I got to ask, we're, it's Michigan-Michigan State Week. It's Rivalry Week. It's Hate Week. It's all that stuff. So we've already talked about that Michigan State collapse at Spartan Stadium last weekend. But kind of where, where do you stand? Do you think, I don't know what the line is. Jared, you could tell us what the updated 12. line is right I now. I think it's game, 12. Do you think Michigan State – Stands a chance. I think it's always a game where Michigan State stands a chance against Michigan, right? Right. They no, they absolutely do. And look, I've <laughs> this is not the best rivalry in sports by any means, or even college football. But I find it to be the most fascinating because the team that often shows up for this game is not always representative of the team you're going to see all season. I remember three years ago there was a Michigan State team that I mean could barely get a first down that ended up losing to Michigan by nine. It would have been six. San Antonio decided to go for two. Jabril Peppers returned it for two points. But weird things have happened in this game. Some of the weirdest things have happened in this game, like 2015. Mm-hmm. They stand a chance, and part of it, I feel like, is that MSU, uh, Shea Patterson, as much as I've defended him, probably more than anyone else has, I think this is probably one of the weaker quarterbacks Michigan State is going to face this season, uh, especially of recent weeks. And, uh, well, I think ultimately Michigan's athletes are going to be too much. I, I fully expect this game to drive me crazy. I expect it to be closer than people think. And Michigan State's season, you know, from a goal standpoint, is essentially over and kind of has been for weeks. And the program right now is in, a, is in a place that it's kind of – these are unforeseen circumstances, at least in the D'Antonio era. And they have the potential not to necessarily save their season, but to salvage it with a win in Ann Arbor. Michigan's goals are uh, Michigan is a team with, that does not control their own fate. And unfortunately, even if something miraculous happens, like they win out, they will come up short of their goals. This is a team that was the odds-on favorite to win the Big Ten. They are not going to do that. And so this is going to be this is going to be a weird game. Michigan, uh, I, I don't expect a ton of scoring. Even without uh, somebody like Joe Bocci from Michigan State, I still think that that is a defense that has prepared for this game for several weeks, um, maybe even overlooked some previous opponents because of this game. Michigan's coming off a bye week, which I think is good and bad. It's good for injuries, but uh, they came off of a bye week against Wisconsin and got absolutely smothered. So it's going to be uh, another really intriguing game. It should be. I'll say this. It should be a two, three-touchdown Michigan win. I, I think from what I've seen from Michigan State, this is a – drastically inferior football team. But with the exception of maybe 2013 through 2015, it kind of usually is. And we've seen Michigan State win these games very often in the D'Antonio era. But there is, admittedly, this season, even different than 2016 when they were 3-9, and there's something about this year and this team that just feels a little bit different. 
Do you think, like, so let me put a scenario out there. Let's say that D'Antonio comes into the Michigan State locker room before the game and tells the team that he's retiring after at the end of this at the end of the season. How do you think that would change the game? And do you think that it's best for the Michigan State program if he does retire after this season? Well, I'll, I'll start with the first question. I mean, it would it would add, uh, you know, it would be an added boost of motivation for sure. Um, D'Antonio has been a coach who. Of, of all the things he's accomplished, probably one of the top things he'll be remembered for as a, a Michigan killer. I, I mean, a guy who took over a rivalry that Michigan had dominated and completely turned it on its head. And there would be a absolute added mo- level of added motivation knowing that they have the opportunity to uh, send D'Antonio out, you know, fittingly for that uh, era with a win against Michigan. Uh, as far as his should he retire, look, I, it's as an outsider who's not a state fan, it's hard for me to get. I I can just say that look, the team's taking a lot of steps backwards, and uh, unfortunately, loyalty has been his undoing. The decision to essentially bring back everybody uh, from the offensive staff, as far as the coaches are concerned, uh, has led to a, a borderline unwatchable offense at points. There are things that need to change. I, I should he retire? It depends on how much he cares about his legacy. Um, I, I think every football coach or every coach in general cares about how they're going to be perceived. If D'Antonio retired tomorrow, I still think the perception would be and should be that he's the greatest coach they've had in the modern era and took them to a place that no one in, in at Michigan State and no one in the Big Ten thought they could get to. They had a period of sustained success from 2010 to 2015 that every Big Ten team, with the exception of maybe Ohio State, would want to experience. And they've, and there, I think there were a lot of people that believed that that success would be sustainable. I didn't. I felt like at some point they would fall off, and they have. Now things are admittedly worse than I thought that they would be. Um, the the offense is, is tough to watch, and they they're losing games in ways that they haven't lost games since the John L. era. Should he retire? I mean, I I, I think he's earned the right for that to be up to him. Will he? It's looking more and more like that because it just seems like they're they're kind of a flat line every time they come out to play. We we've both grown up in the Lansing area, so here's something that we actually debate a lot on this podcast. We're both kind of around the same age where the D'Antonio era has pretty much dominated Michigan, you know, for basically our whole lives or as long as we can remember. Who do you view as a bigger rival to Michigan? Well, growing up and even until fairly recently, I always viewed it as Michigan State because for the longest time. Ohio State was seemed unbeatable, and trust me, especially this year, they still do. Now, with that said, the last couple seasons, as much as Michigan's underperformed in that game, they've been in position, or, or at least had the potential to win that game and go to the Big Ten Championship. I think the Michigan State rivalry uh, enhanced uh, significantly when D'Antonio got there because they started winning. Growing up, I always viewed that as the game, and in some ways I still do, but I think that will change as these programs. Um, and as Michigan State, if they continue to sputter and this becomes a game that is much more winnable, I think that perception may change. But, yeah, for the longest time, this was the one I always circled. This was, this was the one I always, uh, I always both looked forward to and, and dreaded. There's a much more personal element to it uh, growing up here than there ever was with Ohio State. So, and I think, I think more people will acknowledge that as well. I think over the last 10 years or so, this has gone from just – not just another rivalry game, to really one of the more intense rivalries in, in the sport. Uh, and, and in that aspect, I'm, I'm happy to see it. I wish Michigan could have won a few more, 
But uh, there was a minute there where these were two very, very good programs. Ted grew up in the Woody and Bo days, so he, whenever <laughs> we talk about Michigan's football rival, I mean, he, he's always straight to Ohio State. Hands I kind of grew up in the middle. I, I'm definitely still, I lean towards Ohio State being the most hated rival. But I can definitely see what you guys are saying growing up in the last, whatever, 20 years, if you want to say, because Ohio State's basically dominated Michigan the last 20 years. So that exactly. Michigan State rivalry is, it's as evenly matched, I guess, if, if you want to say it that way, as a rivalry goes. But so the Ohio State thing, talking about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football, that's basically the last hurdle he has to get over. I mean, he has a, yeah. a couple dumb losses against Michigan State and some other bad losses on there. But other than Ohio State, he's really been fine. So we've talked about Harbaugh, and I think we're all still on the Harbaugh. We don't think he should go. We're not on the fire Harbaugh train or anything like that. But kind of where do you stand on Harbaugh? Do you think – he just has to get all over Ohio State, or you think he still needs to win the Big Ten, get to the college football playoff, and then maybe some more? If he wants to exercise all the demons and the stigma that is unfortunately attached to Michigan football right now, which there, there is a stigma there, and it's a weird stigma that surrounded, maybe not as, as rich of an extent uh, or as rich of a tradition of failure, but it's a stigma that surrounded teams like going to baseball now, like the Cubs for a minute where they would all, or not for a minute, for, for 100 years. But there is still a belief, when you look at the Michigan program, as stable as they've been under Harbaugh, that uh, there is a I'll-believe-it-when-I-see-it type of mentality. They have been given opportunity after opportunity to get, to get big wins, to beat Ohio State, and they've consistently come up short. And if you want to end that, the, the punchline to a certain extent that, it, that Michigan football has become just in big games, not as a program because they've been remarkably stable since he's gotten there. They're still going to win eight to ten games a year. But to get all that out of the way, you got to beat Ohio State, you have to win the Big Ten, and you have to make the playoffs. Now, winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State would be, would be fine. But to me, to officially get it off your back, you got to make the playoffs, which is something that Ohio State has done multiple times. It's something that, uh, while Penn State wasn't able to do it, they do have a Big Ten title. It's something that Michigan State has done. If Michigan wants to get back to the point that they want to get back to and, and that they believe they should get back to, which is an elite program, you got to get to the college football playoff. Washington's done it. Now, a lot of teams that probably have weaker programs or should have weaker programs than Michigan have made the playoff, and Michigan's consistently come up short. Uh, I Yeah, once again, I think as more and more, in a kind of a weird twist of fate over these last couple of weeks, people have grown more and more comfortable with Harbaugh here, but are fully acknowledging what has been just from a pass-fail system, a, a failure of a tenure thus far because of their inability to reach the goals that they've set for themselves. You know, you, you laid out the scenario about the playoffs, but it, it kind of just it falls right into place. If Michigan can win the Big Ten, can if they can beat Ohio State, well, they're going to get playoff appearances, right? Right. I mean, it's that simple. So you're right, it's especially that the, the year, and that's mainly been the case with the exception of a few things, kind of quirky things uh, that have happened in the Big Ten. Uh, I know, like, two years ago, Ohio State won the Big Ten, didn't make it. Uh, that's because they got blown out against Iowa. You right. know, I don't see something like that happening to Michigan necessarily. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's almost one in the same, but you, you can't do something dumb like, you know, trip up two or three times and still win the Big Ten. you got to get back to the playoff, and I think they know that. Yep. Yeah, and that's what we've said before that, you know, they, they need to get over they need to figure out how to beat Ohio State, which usually if you beat Ohio State two of the four years that Harbaugh's been there, they beat Ohio State, they're in the Big Ten championship game and likely in the college football playoffs. So 
lot of those those check marks that Harbaugh needs to check off, it all starts with beating Ohio State. And I mean, you you said it since he's been there, and however long he stays there, it sure looks like he will always at least be an eight or ten win program. Hopefully, he has those years where they where they figure some stuff out and win, you know, twelve, thirteen games maybe. Right. But I, I've said before, like, and I, I'm I'm victim of it. I I had unrealistic expectations maybe when Harbaugh came in. Traditionally, that's what Michigan football has been, right? An eight or ten win program. Sprinkle in those couple years every eight, ten, twelve years where they actually make a run towards the national championship. Is that kind of where Michigan football? I'm not saying you should be like happy with that, but right. Michigan fans kind of temper their expectations and be happy that Harbaugh has them around that eight to ten win mark every year. Yes and no. I think that. There was a time there where Michigan football fell into a place that no program wants to be, and that was irrelevant. I mean, guys, five years ago, they lost to Maryland and Rutgers in the same season. I mean, that is unforeseen and, and pathetic. Now, Harbaugh's been there. They wait well about their ability to win big games because they haven't been able to win a whole lot of them. They are relevant again. Har- Jim Harbaugh, in and of himself, is a brand and has brought eyes back to the Michigan football program. Now, as far as the expectations... Look, should they come into every season with the belief that they're going to win the Big Ten? No. And nor should really most programs outside of three or four in the country. One of them, unfortunately, just happens to be Michigan's rival from Ohio State. But I do I understand frustration as seasons go on. You know, last year's team was not favored to win the Big Ten, lost their first game, played ten weeks, of almost flawless football. I mean, they were great for 10 weeks. And I still believe if they play their best football game uh, on that November afternoon against Ohio State, they probably win. They laid the biggest egg imaginable, and they got punked. And they're, it's something that that program's going to have to live with. Karma, man. It's karma 50 years ago. 1969. Bo Schembechler, Woody Hayes. It's going to happen again. You'd love to see it, right? Absolutely. You that that would be the dream. And as much as I've repeatedly stated that I believe this season will go down as a failure, because they were ultimately the fans might have might always have uh, high expectations. But dude, it's like that with every program. Every football fan comes into every season with the belief of, hey, maybe if we get by this, we catch this break, maybe we can win the Big Ten, maybe we can make the playoffs. But it wasn't just the fan base that had high expectations for Michigan this year. They were the outside favorite to win the conference. Ahead of Ohio State, ahead of Penn State, ahead of Wisconsin, ahead of everybody. Uh, and they've fallen, up, fallen short. Now, if they beat Ohio State, especially this year where, and I hate the fact that I have to say this, this is the best Ohio State team I've ever seen. I agree. They're winning by an average of 51-9 to 9 right now. They are pummeling teams. If Michigan was somehow able to win that game, even if Ohio State goes on to make the playoff, which they will, even if they go on to win the Big Ten, which they will, I will consider viewing this season as a minor success because just a few weeks ago, the idea of that happening, of Michigan beating Ohio State, seemed like an impossibility and still kind of does. But if they're able to pull something out there, I would, I would, be, I would consider viewing this as a success. Uh, speaking of success, um, <clears throat> the Lions have been basically the opposite of that <laughs> for all of our lifetimes. But Matt Patricia, uh, where do you stand on him? Do you think, could we win a Super Bowl with this guy, or should we maybe just cut bait uh, before he wastes two, three more years of Matt Stafford's prime? I'd give him one more year, and then uh, my guess is he'll probably he'll probably leave. I, I, I did Honestly, I didn't particularly like the hire when it happened. You look at almost every Belichick assistant, 
Uh, none of them have been particularly successful. Probably the most successful has been Bill O'Brien. Uh, I'm sure I'm probably, I might be leaving one out, but probably the most successful has been Bill O'Brien. And I have a lot of uh, Houston people on my Twitter feed, and uh, they can't stand him, and they feel like he's wasting Deshaun Watson. Uh, and, you know, he was the guy that people were saying was a defensive mastermind, but that's aged. That take has aged horribly. For one, they let a backup QB torch them in his final game in New England. Nick Foles just murdered him. And uh, New England has gone on the next two years to be a rem- vastly better defense, and this year are putting up just unbelievable numbers defensively. Lost last week against Lamar Jackson, but uh, no one seems to be able to be stopping him this season. I don't see elite head coach in Matt Patricia, and I, I think he's a guy who can get them to the playoffs, potentially, but I, I wasn't super impressed with the hire when it happened, and I haven't been particularly impressed with him in his tenure so far. Uh, he hasn't been terrible, but in the, in the NFL, which is, you know, guys can get fired in the NFL to drop the hat. And especially with a fan base as, you know, as set up as Detroit is, rightfully so, you have one playoff win, or yeah, I'm sorry, you have zero playoff wins since 1991. There's going to, the guys are going to be on a short leash, and they should. I don't think it's impossible that he turns this thing around, but from what I've seen so far, I have, I have a hard time believing it. It's, but especially with the way, like you said, that Stafford has played this year, you don't want to waste the prime of a guy who is, admittedly, uh, the most talented quarterback that this franchise has probably ever seen without a doubt you know moving off topic just a little bit chris i mean you're you're coming across really good i mean this is very enjoyable this is very enjoyable tell us tell us and our listeners uh about the brewcast yeah well this is uh this is uh, something that uh i was fortunate enough to come across i think it was a fan on twitter sent this to me uh a couple years ago that that mason brew was hiring uh, Anthony Broom and Luke, Luke Yardy, who are you know really talented uh, journalists and broadcasters, needed someone to kind of fill that third spot, and uh, I applied and was lucky enough to get it. You know, we are um, we are very much a Michigan sports podcast, and with it being that time of year, we're very much a Michigan football podcast right now. But uh, it's I think it's a prime example of why podcasts are thriving because you get takes from three guys who are uh, fans, but also very objective and. Uh, you know, we don't always agree, and that makes for some, for some you know, good li- for a good listening experience for sure. But uh, it, and it's three guys who are completely different. Anthony is is the biggest journalist of the three of us. Uh, Luke is the best broadcaster between the three of us, and I'm uh, I'm the outsider who's the fan who's you know get, not going to hold anything back. And I think that's led to uh, some really good episodes. And I recommend people go go listen to that. We're on Apple Podcasts. I believe we're on SoundCloud. It's really a lot of fun. It's been something I've been doing for close to two years now, and uh, I really enjoy it. Boy, does that sound scary. It's like deja vu with what we have going on in about two <laughs> it is, years it is, exactly. I that as I was saying. I'm like, am I describing my podcast or yours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah, so we do we do a big prep pigskin preview. We've done two now, and we, we cover the whole state of Michigan before high school football starts, and we have yeah. people from around the state preview their area. And we had Luke on to preview the UP in, in northern Michigan, so – yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, tell him we said hello. Absolutely. <laughs> I got just one. I got. I got to get one more question out there. Uh, we we've been talking about it a lot. The Detroit Tigers' 2014 uh, bullpen is pretty much every single one of them have won a title. How does that make you feel watching this Tigers team that's basically tanking, but yet all these players that we kind of grow to love are now winning World Series for other teams? Yeah, I mean it's kind of like watching the the really hot chick who broke up with you get married to a douchebag. Like, I mean. It's, <laughs> <laughs> not exactly the most fun thing to see, but at the same time, 
you know, I, I am very happy for all those guys. You know, I, Verlander especially because he was our guy from the beginning. But um, it sucks for sure. Especially, it, it, it wouldn't suck as bad if you felt like the Tigers were close. And even if you're somebody who believes in this rebuild 100 percent and believes in what Avila is doing, uh, you're out of your mind if you can't acknowledge that they're at least. You know, and I'm being generous here. It's three to four years away from you know contending for the playoffs. Um, and ultimately, it's not a surprise, though, uh, that all five of them have won. The only big surprise is Anibal Sanchez. Because Verlander, you, you, when he got traded to Houston, he got put in a perfect spot. Houston's very good. Won championship there. Scherzer was the man when he was in Detroit. He's actually gotten substantially better in Washington. They were going to contend. Price in Boston knew they were going to contend. Same with Porcello. And all for, for the most part, all those guys were in that prime. Verlander kind of found another gear when he got to Houston. But the, the biggest surprise, the most shocking one, was, was Sanchez because his last few years in Detroit, he was a pitcher who was done. I mean, he had nothing left. And it wasn't just Detroit who felt that way. People forget the Twins signed him after the 2017 uh, season and cut him in spring training. No, this is a guy nobody wanted. He goes to Atlanta, somehow finds something. A year later, he's taking a, a, a no-hitter into uh, into the eighth inning in the in the, uh, in the NLCS. Ultimately, he's a world champion. It's it's extremely bittersweet. Um, it's even more bittersweet knowing that they should they all should have won at least one here. I mean, and it was an all-time great rotation that they had, uh, and they fell apart for there were several reasons. Obviously, the bullpen's a big reason for that. Management, uh, really, both Leland and Austin, I don't think did them a whole lot of favors. But uh, it's it, it's bittersweet to watch. But I am I am admittedly very happy for those guys who handled themselves with class in Detroit, and they've they've done the same elsewhere. Amen. Well, Chris, we appreciate the time, man. This has just flown by. Before we let you go again, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you. Not only your podcast, but uh, also on social media. Well, you can find the uh, Brewcast on uh, Twitter. That's at Brewcast Show or at uh, Amazing Brew. You can, they'll, they'll post links on both those accounts. Uh, if you want to see me personally on Twitter, that's at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. There you'll find the link to my YouTube page where I post the occasional movie review and talk about you know, random stuff that, that comes to my head. Uh, my Snapchat is the same as my uh, as my Twitter handle. And if you want to see my Instagram as well, that's ChrisCastle95. That's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-T-L-E. Nine five, but uh, please go ahead and uh, follow me on all those platforms. Sounds outstanding. You know, we have a little segment called Tedertainment tonight. We'll have to get you on again sometime. Get some of your movie reviews. How's that sound? Uh, absolutely, guys. I'd love to do it. All right, Chris. Appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, guys. Have a great rest of your night. Oh, great stuff there from Chris, guys. That was a lot of fun. And speaking of fun, if you're looking for some fun, stop in to Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Weekends are really hot, as you can cheer on the Spartans or the Wolverines as they tee it up on Saturday at the Big House. Rivals is also the local spot to root on the Lions if you want to. Over 20 high-def TVs and awesome food and drink. Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. And we all want a good deal, right? In fact, we all want a great deal. Well, go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house is jam-packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com and sign up for email notifications or call Troy Crow at 989-720-SELL for other details. Guys, let's wrap up the show. You know I uh, broadcast high school football and basketball here on Z92.5, and 
had a game last week. DeWitt down St. John's knocked them out of the tournament. But we got a big one this week. We got Pawama Westphalia, number two in Division Seven, taking on number one New Lothrop. I can't wait to go over to the Hornet Field for that one. That is going to be one heck of a battle. Have they just, are they going to play that at, or it's not going to be at Chesney again like it was oh, last year? You know, I don't know. That'll be officially announced tomorrow. We we are recording this on Sunday, so it'll either be at New Lothrop or, yeah, it would make sense to play it at Chesney since New Lothrop is the home team. That'd be better yet because we have a press box all to ourselves over there. Yeah, my fingers are crossed that um, I'm covering that one. Excellent. Not only that, because then I'll be able to just stay home and then quick shuttle over to Michigan State, or Michigan, for the Michigan, Michigan State game the next day. Perfect. Yeah, you came over oh. and actually got a little halftime airtime, didn't you, last week? Last yeah, I year. did. But the thing with New Ulthrop, I and that was my big takeaway from last year's game, is the all kind of all the storylines were behind the Missouri commit. Ted, you probably know his name right off the top of your head. Aiden. Yeah, Aiden Harrison. Yeah, Aiden, Aiden, Harrison. Aiden Harrison. Yeah, Aiden Harrison. That was, he was the big talk, and I, although he was very impressed, impressive, I was really impressed with an Avery Moore kid. Who's the quarterback? And he's, I, mean, I believe that he's committed to Grand Valley State next to go to Grand Valley State next year. He's a stud. He I is. love watching him play, and I love watching New Lothrop. I mean, I mean, Clint Galvis, I, he's a great coach, probably one of the best in the state. If we're being honest. Absolutely. What he's done in New Lothrop is just nothing less than impressive. Yeah, just a tremendous program. But I mean, you know, let's not shortchange Pawama Westphalia either, and their head coach Jeremy Miller. He's built quite a program over there, and it's it's going to be a war. You know, since I am kind of the resident MHSAA guy here, we had a question come up last week about uh, playing schools out of state, Florida, California, that type of thing, right? So I did reach out to my friends over at the Michigan High School Athletic Association and asked them for a little clarification. They have a rule on the books. They can play schools out of state. That's not a problem, but they have a 300-mile rule. So they can't go down to Florida or California, but they can play Ohio, Indiana, other schools there, as long as it's within 300 miles. And, again, I asked him for clarification. I mean, why is that? And it's because the uh, the variety of the majority of the Michigan high schools, that's how they want it. So the Michigan High School Athletic Association just goes along with what they want. So Why? That, I don't like why, but that, that's, that's such a cop-out answer. I'd say that to your buddies over the MHSAA. But that's such a, that's what the coach, that's what the high schools want. Okay, is that another boomer dig uh, saying they're my buddies over there? I mean, that, that was a shot. Well, that was a well, shot at me. You basically name dropped them. Yeah, my guys over there at the MHS. Well, I, I, well uh, it's what I did. I mean, what, did I say they're my guys, even though they're all right. <laughs> there he is. Okay, maybe you don't like them. Maybe that's the. Maybe that's how we want. No, them. what I don't like, you just threw the dig at me. I had to respond. You said that you're the MHSAA guy of the pod. Well, aren't I? I aren't I? I'm, aren't I the guy doing the games on the radio? Argue, I don't try to argue with you, but you seem to want to argue every single thing. Wow, that's a that. That was just a throwaway comment that you ex- expanded upon way more than it needed to be. I'm with you. I, I appreciate the no. clarification because I was actually on it. I, I am speechless because I don't want to. I don't want you to get offended when I'm arguing with you. For God's sake. <laughs> I'm not offended. You can dish it out to me, but you can't take it back. That's pretty lame. <laughs> I forgot, what did I even say? I don't even remember. It, it wasn't nothing big, but I just clarified something. That's all. No, and I and no, you got mad because I called out your buddies at the MHS. Yeah, yeah, you threw a little needle in. You, you threw a little needle in because you disagreed with whatever I read there. I mean, I don't know the answer. That's well, their what answer. About what, he, what did you think about the answer? You said it was a cop out. Okay, yeah, I'll respect that opinion. But what's that got to do with my buddies over there? Okay, forget that. <laughs> I can't stop laughing now. <laughs> well, why? 
you didn't want to pursue that any further when he said it's because it's what that's what we came to agreement last time on the pod. You basically didn't really clarify anything. I did because that's why we wondered why would that be a rule. But but I clarified the fact that they have a three hundred mile rule that didn't because you, you got you were talking about they couldn't play schools out of state and then if you go back to the rewind I said no I think they can because I think Gladstone plays Wisconsin schools and I think Southern Michigan schools we play. knew that it was an exaggeration the the thing that we want we want to see Muskegon playing a team from Florida we want to see those games and we don't we get to see. You know, the teams like Edwardsburg, who are down near South Bend, playing South Bend schools. That's No one cares about that. Okay, well, here, here was my email. This is what He responded back to me, and I said, thanks. To clarify, hypothetically, if Muskegon wanted to schedule a school in Florida or California, as long as they are part of their state high school athletic association, that was his answer back to me, they could play. Not allowed would be a game, for example, Oak Hill Academy in Virginia. I just want to give a good, accurate explanation. He said, sorry, that's more our travel rule for all sports. Our schools can play schools from Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Ontario, or any team within 300 miles. That was his answer. Okay. But then he said that's because that's what the high schools want. Well, that's the, okay. That's because so you added that in. You put words in his mouth. I did add that in because that's my oh, buddies wow. over there at the Michigan High School Association. I will stick up for them. They don't make rules randomly. They make the rules, or they adhere the rules that the schools put out to them. Okay. They don't make them up. They they could care less. They're just an association trying to keep things organized. Does the MHSA, are they a for-profit organization? No. Really? I, I would say really. Look it up. I well, guess I don't. So I, so I could look up, I could, here's a little bit of a journalist tip. I could look up how much they're making every single year, where they're spending, who their employees are. I should be able to find that out, correct? Sure. MHSA, the MHSA is a private, not-for-profit corporation of voluntary membership by over 1,500 public and private senior high schools and junior high middle schools which exists to develop common rules for athletic eligibility and competition. So, like Ted's saying, they're just there to basically do what the schools want to do. I don't like that, but the fact that they're a private... Take it, millennial. Take it. No, the fact right that there. they're a private, not-profit, non-profit, they're still... Ma- yeah, they know. get a pay. They, they get, a, they get a paycheck. Hey, they get paid. Thank you. Uh, now I'm going to do a FOIA request, and I'm going to find out everything. That is going on in the MHSA because that rule makes no sense. All right, well, bring it, bring it to the next podcast, will you? Uh, yeah, that's what I'd be curious. I was just, you, you, we, we've all seen the the people eating the popcorn gifts that are always shared, you know, because yep. people are just sitting back here enjoying the entertainment. That's what I was doing during during this whole little <laughs> spat that you guys were having. Uh, I mean, I think that you cleared it up for me, Ted. So it is possible there's just a 300 mile limit i guess on what schools can do yep so that that's like what you said the schools up in the up playing wisconsin schools right or like what jared said the ones over by south bend um so yeah that cleared it up so basically muskegon would not be able to go play some of these you know like you said virginia florida whatever schools so yeah i, I mean i'm with you i think it'd be cool if if that was allowed so i don't know if that's an mhsaa thing or the schools need to come together but you know i don't know if it's a cost thing Maybe, you know, schools within the state, they don't want to have to pay for that. Well, I don't think it's a cost thing because if it was allowed and you had the money, why not go play a school in yeah, Florida? Yeah, I guess that's what I mean. Maybe schools are saying they don't want to pay for it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, maybe just certain seemed... schools are saying they'd rather play more local teams than pay for a trip to Virginia or something. I'd, yeah, I'd be curious what the reasoning is because 
I, th- I think that'd be a, it'd be a good way to put your school and your talent, your kids, and all that kind of stuff on display by playing some of these games. That some of them get broadcast on ESPN or whatever. You yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, and that's just it. Seems like it's just it's taking away experiences from kids, you know, who maybe go to a school like Muskegon where they're not going to have them a chance to go to California, you know, a chance to go to Florida, play on ESPN. It just it just it hurts the Michigan football product in general. Is also like just kind of the problem. So are you're, like we all love our Michigan football. Like, why not have these matchups? See where we stack up. Well, let me ask you one other question then. In general, I mean, who pays for it? I mean, are you okay if like Nike comes in and says, "Hey, we're going to pay all your expenses to go play this school in California"? Are you okay with that? Yeah. Why would I be? Well, oh, I'm just asking. I just wanted to uh, yeah, see where you're coming from. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I told if if Nike came in and said, "Hey, we want to sponsor the Muskegon Big Red for a season." We're going to buy all your gear, shoulder pads, jerseys, and we're going to pay for a trip out to Virginia to play school out there. I, yeah, like Jared said, that's a hell of an experience for those kids. Yeah, but it, it is. But but is that really fair to every other high school that doesn't have that opportunity? That's well, not our wins and like that just because they suck. That's oh, why. Okay, all right. I just wanted to see how you felt on that. Yeah, I guess the I think, I mean, if, if your school was good enough, then you would get that opportunity. And it might not necessarily be like a, a good enough thing, but, you know, it might be – if Nike, whoever, if people want to put your school on display, you know, it's not Muskegon's fault if no one else wants to put, you know, East Grand Rapids or Rockford or something like that on display. Yeah, the only thing that really, and this is this is the uh, boomer in me, obviously, but it just, it would worry the hell out of me with that kind of money being thrown around. And, you know, there's a shady characters already in college basketball and football. Now you want to bring some of that element into uh, high school sports in Michigan. I mean, there's there's got to be something to that, isn't there? You don't think there'd be shadiness going on and there's greed and everything else? Who's going to control it? I guess that's where so, the MHSA comes in. I guess so. My buddy's over there. Right. <laughs> um, I, get, I get what you're saying. You start really getting into that stuff, and then, yeah, some agents, some boosters start coming in and paying some kids or whatever. So, I mean, everything's a slippery slope. But yeah, Absolutely. All right, can I ask you guys? I think it'd be cool, I guess, is what it comes down to to me. I want to ask you guys one other question, and we've been going long enough, and this is back to high school, local school, Freeland, okay? What a wild game they were in. They ended up picking up a 22-21 win in their Division Five district final, but I'm going to read this out of uh, Lee Thompson's column uh, from MLive. You know, the outcome, though, remained in doubt because uh, Ogama Heights, their quarterback, threw a Hail Mary pass into the end zone. The defensive back for Freeland picked it off about halfway into the end zone, and then he ran it out the back of the end zone. And uh, We talked a little bit off air, and you can get your, your thoughts again here on. If he caught the ball, had possession, and runs out the back of the end zone, is that a safety or is that uh, a touchback? And let me tell you what the, what the article here says. It says, after a brief Ogama celebrations, the officials ruled that the momentum – carried the defensive back out of the end zone, and it was a touchback. It doesn't matter. I know. It doesn't what, matter. Okay, but I'm just saying what was ma- written down here. Yeah, it's just that that Freeland player could have intercepted that pass, ran around in the end zone, ate a hot dog, and then ran out the back of the end zone. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. Okay. It's still a touchback. All right, well, I, don't, I guess I don't understand what the argument is. It here. did stir That's things every- up. Now, I do know in the high school rules, you can have an interception in the end zone and you can return it out back onto the field of play. Is the argument that since it never came back out on the field of play, it doesn't matter? It's just a touchback? Yes. As long as he doesn't yeah, I guess cross that's, that. That's the way I would see it. Say, okay. he, say he would have taken a step out of the end zone and then thought, oh, crap, I need to go you know, get a touchback. 
then yeah, that would definitely be a safety. But yeah, like Jared said, I mean, he can go mow the whole end zone, mow the grass, do whatever he wants <laughs> Eat to do a as hot long dog. as he doesn't come out of the end zone. <laughs> to me, it's just a touchback. Yeah, and that's what it ended up being, and it's all good. But uh, it did stir up some controversy, you know. Uh, some so-called officials out there maybe weren't sure, and it even it even uh, I had some doubts. Controversial yeah, it, play. It's definitely a crazy play because I I guess I I don't remember if you teed it up, but. So it was a two point, or it was a one point game. It was a one point game. Safety would so, have given so, given the other team the win. Yeah. So the whole controversy was if if that was ruled a safety, the other team wins. Right. Like that. That's what makes it crazy. So <laughs> I can definitely see the controversy and everything, but I guess just off the top of my head, like not actually watching or maybe knowing the ins and outs of the high school football rules, I would think it's just it's simply a uh, touchback. All right. The momentum thing makes no sense because that would be if the player had intercepted the ball on, like, say, the two-yard line, and his momentum then carried him. You see that all the time in the NFL. Yeah, right. Like, and then his momentum then carried him into the end zone and say he was tackled or ran out the back of the end zone. Then that would be where the momentum rule would come into effect. Sure. Which and is and why that, it made no sense for the refs. That's to say not that. to say that the referees maybe didn't make a, a mistake and, and you know brought the momentum into the whole conversation. I don't know. I tend to agree with what you guys are saying, but it, it definitely brought up some controversy and it just happened to be at uh, your brother Johnny's school. So fire up Falcons, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and did, did you say it came up at, at uh, church breakfast? Yeah, it, so. came up, it came up in breakfast today. I was talking with your dad, and he, he explained the scenario to me, and I'm trying to think about it in my head. And he even he even Googled it on his phone. He couldn't find the video. And then I went home and watched the video, and I thought, <laughs> you, interesting. You guys are the word. I can only imagine how infuriating you two trying to find that video on the internet was probably the most infuriating moment in they, they had to tell, like, the waitress breakfast. kept coming back to get their orders like five times and they had to keep saying hold on, hold on we're not ready yet my, my screen yeah. keeps going black i don't know what's going on yeah. all right do you think we beat this up we got enough we got a pot in the in the can here now you think Anything else we want to get on the table? No, just go blue, like we said. Yeah, go blue for sure. All right, everybody, that'll do it for now. And remember, this is key. Remember, thank all the veterans you know or see in uniform. You know, we're recording on Sunday. Tomorrow's Veterans Day. And, you know, we can't say enough for what they do for us and our country and our freedom. So uh, definitely think about the veterans on Veterans Day. Also, follow, send your comments to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 3 Point Pod. Subscribe, rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all the others. Support our 3 Point Podcast partners, Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, and ProMech Engineering. Special thanks to Chris Castellani. He's at Maze and Brew, and also you can follow his personal account at Castellani2014. Be sure to check out our network friends, Z92.5 The Castle and Sports Radio Detroit. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan radio production recorded at the WJSZ Studios in Owasso, Michigan. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast.